Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is the Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a solo one and I'm going to be speaking with you all about making decisions and in particular making hard decisions because I know how tricky it can be whilst going through the process of creating the surviving separation guide. I have done a big section in there on how to make decisions because when you go through a separation, you find yourself making so many decisions and often you're making these decisions for the first time completely on your own and it can be really, really confronting. And there are a series of really small decisions that you have to make, you know, from how you're going to run your day, how you're going to operate, right through to really big decisions about where you're going to live and how you're going to financially look after yourself and what you want to happen in your life now that you've got this new life unfolding in front of you. And so making decisions can actually be a really stressful, hard, uncomfortable thing for so many people to do. So before we get into big decisions and just some food for thought on this topic, I wanted to touch on decision fatigue. Now I've spoken about decision fatigue in past podcasts, but it is of course relevant, I think, to this conversation. So in decision-making and psychology, Decision fatigue refers to the deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long session of decision making. It is now understood as one of the causes of irrational trade-offs in decision making. So just the fact that we are making so many decisions throughout the day, and particularly in a divorce, you are increasing the amount that you have to make and also probably the importance of some of those decisions too. But even aside from a divorce, just in your everyday existence, you're making so many decisions. And it's like the more, well, it's not like, it's a fact, according here to this little blurb, that the more decisions you make, the more it can deteriorate the quality of your decisions. And you can get to a point where you begin to make poor decisions purely because you are exhausted from making so many choices and getting to so many conclusions on your own. Now we want to avoid irrational decisions where possible. So I think it's important to consider decision fatigue and all that it encompasses, especially during times in your life when you are making big decisions. Now maybe these big decisions are nothing to do with a separation. Maybe your big decisions at the moment are to do with your career your relationship, 
whether or not you want to grow your family. Maybe you're considering moving interstate or overseas and there's just a lot to consider. To manage the decision fatigue, I think it's important to consider ways that we can reduce the amount of things we need to decide upon each day to just reduce that overall decision load so that we can minimize um, superfluous decisions. That way, when we get to the point of having to make big decisions, we're not compromised by all of the small things that we have to decide on along the way. It is estimated that the average adult makes more than 35,000 decisions per day. So I hate to think how much the stress of making a big decision impacts those little decisions that you're making and also your impulse control and your rationalizing and all of those things. So making all of these kind of non-important decisions is using up brain power and energy that is probably better focused on big life stuff for you if you're in this process of needing to make some big choices. So before we get into chatting about how to make those big choices, I'd love you to consider what are the ways you can reduce the mental load by having some systems in place to make life easier. I imagine for a lot of adults, particularly a lot of adults who are listening to this podcast, a large majority of those 35,000 decisions that we're making on average each day would be to do with the mental or domestic load. So that refers to everything that we're doing to keep a house running. I feel like the domestic load often means that I have just millions of tabs opened in my brain at all times. So establishing some household systems can reduce micromanaging and adding to that choice load. So a couple of simple systems that you might like to consider when it comes to the domestic load include like having a place that school bags go at the end of the day, a place where your keys go, assigning chores and contribution to different family members so that you then don't have to micromanage them, ordering groceries online, meal planning, laying your clothes out the night before, having a well-oiled morning routine, direct debit of bills where possible. You know, if we're talking about the workplace, automatic canned responses to certain requests, You can use that absolutely in the workplace, but you can actually also use that in real life, such as having a go-to response if you need to put a boundary in place or you don't want to agree to playdates all the time or whatever it might be. Assigning specific days to specific tasks, such as washing sheets on a certain day. Having a digital calendar that everyone can see. Pre-booking your appointments where possible. Even like understanding the menstrual phases um, of your cycle can be really important when it comes to decision making because there are stages and phases throughout our cycle where we're likely to feel more confident and productive first those times when we may find decision making harder. So just keep in mind if you are about to make a big life choice or at any time when big life choices come up, you may want to also take some time to just Be mindful of those 35, I was going to say million, but 35,000 approximately mini choices that you're making each day. And maybe to get to the point where you feel that you have the capacity to make that bigger decision, you also need to borrow some energy and attention from all of those little micro choices you're making and maybe having some systems 
will make it easier. Of course, that little quick list of um, systems that I ran through just then, it's just some examples and they're not revolutionary. It's not reinventing the wheel to suggest that you do your groceries online, but it's all of those little life admin tasks that add up to feel really heavy when we also have other heavy things on our mind as well. Often when it comes to making choices, like pulling the trigger on a decision, we can find ourselves experiencing a bit of analysis paralysis, where we just find ourselves picking every single thing apart. Maybe it's going through your pros and cons list. Maybe it's just ruminating over potential outcomes, adding pressure to wanting to make the right or the perfect decision. And analysis paralysis just means that you're stuck in that like fear response where perhaps you're frozen. So you're not making any progress. You're just staying in that, you know, frenzy of emotions um, or perhaps you're feeling numb, but you're just not actually getting to the point of making a decision, pulling the trigger. You're in that loading phase where it can feel quite overwhelming. Part of that analysis paralysis, as I said, can be agonizing over which decision is the right one. It can be tempting to classify the choices that you have to make as either good or bad, you know, in wanting to be like, oh, which is the right choice for me? What what decision will be the best? Which one is the good one and which decision might be less than good? But in most cases, any decision that you make will hold a combination of positive and negative. It's a lot less definitive um, in the long run than we realize in most, in most instances. Ruminating on the potential right thing can just make it harder to commit to a decision and create more anxiety. It's important to recognize if you are perhaps stuck in that analysis paralysis phase and if you've been stuck there for longer than you would have liked to have been. Which brings me to the next point. When it comes to making big decisions, it's important to dedicate time to that decision. If it's just weighing heavily on your mind all the time, like a constant open tab, but you've not booked the time in to sit down and really confront what's going on and to take the time to make your pros and cons list, to take the time to talk to people in your life, just to take the time to really sit with the decision you might not get to that point of being able to make it. So dedicating time to the decision is important. Looking at your week and going, okay, what day can I sit down and really give this decision some of my focus and attention where it's not divided across other tasks? If you are stuck in analysis paralysis, it can be helpful to also give yourself a time frame so that it's not this ambiguous, never-ending decision that you're going to make one day. Actually going, you know what, I'm going to dedicate this time to it over the course of however many weeks, or maybe it's days or months or whatever, but I'm going to give myself a limit. I'm going to reach a decision by Friday. I'm going to make a decision and commit to it by September. Whatever it is, a time frame, a deadline can be helpful to force you out of that analysis paralysis where you're just floating around um, and not making as much progress as you'd like to be. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Next up. Be discerning with who you go to for advice when it comes to making big life choices, because when we turn to people in our lives for advice, it's so important to remember that they are responding through their own filters, through what they believe to be true, through their lens of childhood beliefs and life experiences and different biases um, and different fears. You know, you might go to a girlfriend seeking advice on a certain topic, but she might be really triggered by that topic. So her advice could be wildly different to the advice of another friend who isn't as triggered by that topic. So be discerning with who you go to for advice on big life decisions. You know, such as if we stick to the topic of when you're in the middle of a divorce, Going to advice to someone who's never been through a divorce and their experience of divorce is strictly through like a pop culture lens or um, based upon stories they've heard from friends of friends of friends, they might not be equipped to give you sound advice. Whereas if you go to a lawyer who practices law in your state and is equipped to provide you with accurate and informative information that's a much better result than having someone tell you about a story from someone that they once knew or that they went to school with who managed to get a certain result and it could just be hearsay anytime in life you're going to someone for advice or guidance i think there's insight as well into what you want to hear because sometimes subconsciously we will choose people that we know what they're going to say. So it's like we have this bias inside us already where we know the response that we want. So we purposefully choose the person that we know is going to give us that response. I'm thinking uh, of a personal example I'll share with you where in my early 20s, I was in a relationship and something happened in that relationship. And I had a choice to go and talk to a variety of friends But I remember actively choosing the friend who I knew would be pissed off and give me the advice of like escalating versus de-escalating the issue. And I remember thinking, huh, I went to her. We can name her, Amanda, my my good friend, Amanda. And I still go to her when I want things to be like um, taken to the next level, kind of. But she, I remember thinking to myself, like I've gone to her because that's the response that I wanted. I was in a mindset where I personally wanted to escalate it. And I knew that going to her would emotionally do that for me versus going to someone else who would be triggered in a different way and perhaps would be more like on the calm and rational side. So just maybe take a pause and go, huh, am I going to this person because I want a specific response? And if I know what response I want, Why am I not just giving myself that advice? Am I going to that person because they're going to give me advice that is going to speak to keeping me in my comfort zone and that feels safer? 
or am I going to that person to get advice because I know that they're going to encourage me to stretch and grow and expand and if that's the case then I probably already know the answer as well because I know deep down that's what I need I just think that there can be a lot of insight into what we're thinking and feeling based off who we choose to go to but just be discerning who you seek advice from because you know we all have our own level of risk adversity And so you might be thinking about moving interstate and you go and speak to a friend that would just never do that because it seems like such a big thing to do. So they're going to perhaps err on the side of saying, no, 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 don't do that. Versus going to a friend who'd be like, yeah, I'm all for it. Roll the dice, take a risk. There is, of course, the uh, age old pros and cons list when it comes to making a decision. And you can do your basic pros and cons list but I really encourage you to go a step further. And as you're making your list, I want you to put a numeric value next to each thing that you add on the list. And I want you to value each thing from one to 10, one being of littlest, least importance, and 10 being of most importance. The reason I want you to create that value system and put a value next to each thing you list is because sometimes when we're making a pros and cons list, we'll look at it and it's like the cons far outweigh the pros. But if we valued each thing on the list, and perhaps maybe there's only three things in the pros list, but those three things are 10 out of 10 versus our cons list, which are all two or threes or fours out of 10, we can redirect our attention back to the pros because yes, there are le- there are less pros listed, but they're of more importance. So if you're doing that pros and cons list, value each thing that you're adding on each side. Um, Accepting that you won't know either way what decision is right can be uh, really overwhelming and scary, or it can be empowering and make you feel a sense of freedom because ultimately we don't know what is wrong and what is right and sometimes the thing that feels right in the moment and might have like the right in quotes instant result can end up later down the track being something that we would do differently or lead us into something that is harder we're never going to make a perfect decision that has no negative implication in one way or another And once you make the decision, it's very unlikely that you will spend a lot of time ruminating or regretting or fetishizing the other decision as the right one, because ultimately, you know, we just, you're not going to know. And once you've made the decision, you'll just be dealing with the choice that you've made at hand, which is why sometimes it's just important to have that deadline, make that decision and move forward with the choice that you have made. I've shared the um, is it good, is it bad parable so many times, but I'm going to share it again here just for anyone who hasn't heard it before. This is a parable that I turn to all the time, like on the daily, but it goes like this. Well, this is one version of it. There are many, but here's one. There once was a man who lived on a farm with his son and his horse. One day the barn door was left open and the horse ran away. 
When the nearby villagers heard about it, they ran to the farm to tell the farmer how sorry they felt for him. How will you work your farm without your horse? they asked. The farmer simply shrugged and said, good, bad, who's to say? A few days later, the farmer's horse returned and following it were two more horses. The villagers were so excited for the farmer's luck. They ran to his farm and told him so. The farmer simply shrugged and said, good, bad, who's to say? The new horses were not broken in, so the farmer's son worked hard to break them in so they could be used on the farm. While doing so, one of the new horses threw him off and his leg was broken. The villagers again ran to the farm and expressed their deep sadness about the son's broken leg. Now your son can't help you on the farm, they said, with their heads hung low. The farmer simply shrugged and said, good, bad, who's to say? As the son was healing from his broken leg, a war broke out in the countryside. All of the young men were sent off to war. Many died or were seriously injured. However, since the farmer's son had a broken leg, he wasn't able to go and fight in the war. The villagers again came to the farm to say to the farmer how very lucky he was that his son didn't have to go and fight in the war. Once again, the farmer shrugged his shoulders and stated, good, bad, who's to say? I love that parable because we can get so caught up in the initial consequence of things in life or initial happenstances, things that just happen to us. And it's like, no, no, we need that perspective of it's so tempting to be like, that was good, that was bad and classify it. But we need to have that perspective of zooming out and understanding bad things will happen that can end up being stepping stones toward a good thing. And good things can happen that will end up being a stepping stone towards things that aren't so good. I like that parable. Some people can find it a bit like, oh, far out, that's so miserable. You know, nothing's good or bad. But I take comfort in it because it's just such a good way to keep your perspective in check and to take the pressure off the current moment because we just don't know how things are going to unfold. Perspective is helpful when it comes to decision-making. Asking yourselves, asking yourself, will it matter in five years time? And also playing out the decision. If it's a really big decision, what does life look like for you in a year, two years, five years, either way? And then you could also use that value system to assess the possible outcomes and see which one feels more right for you and which one aligns with your values more. Of course, we can do all of these things, but often it comes down to our gut feeling and it can be really hard to get to your gut feeling, particularly with the the 35,000 decisions we make each day, particularly with All of the tabs opened, the domestic load, the workload, relationships, everything. It can be hard to access your own intuition and your own gut feeling. A really simple little trick um, that can often like betray your thoughts in a way, like can often cut through them, is to flip a coin, but you're not going to base your decision off the result of the flipped coin. 
You're just purely doing it to see how you feel in your body. Flip a coin, assign a decision either way, flip it and see how you feel. Do you instantly have a wave of relief at the decision that was shown and displayed or did you feel disappointed? Because sometimes just that simple trick of accessing your intuition through that flick of a coin can tell you so much more about your gut feeling and what your true desire is separate from all of the head noise and the life noise that exists around us. So those are a couple of thoughts on making big decisions in life. Hopefully it is helpful for you. If one of the big decisions you are considering is whether or not you want to become a parent, I would really encourage you to listen back to my episode with Anne Davidman. She is a parenting mentor and she's really, um, really committed to helping people understand their belief system around that decision. And she encourages people to kind of go through this process, regardless of whether it's the first time they're becoming parents or the fifth time. Just thought I would add that one in there and I'll try and remember. I'll pop it in the show notes as well, direct link to it, because that's a huge, huge life decision that I know some people really um, struggle to make. But there are so many big decisions and I hope that this podcast episode has provided some comfort and some food for thought and perhaps some direction as well. As always, it would truly mean so much to me if you share this episode with your own circle, your own network of people. If you enjoy the Frey podcast, please do hit subscribe. Um, and I look forward to speaking with you really, really soon. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.